मेरा पिया घर आया हो लालनी मेरा पिया घर आया हो लालनी Today I thought I'd let you just sing and not interrupt. Pia ghar aaya. Well, you did anyway. Sanu Allah. No, you totally stopped, didn't you, though? Mela aaya. Pia ghar aaya. Sanu. Oh my gosh, my voice is gorgeous today. Do you think? Hmm. Oh, I think it's a bit off today. Huna <laughs> hoya. I've heard better. Okay, what song do you like that I sing? I'm taking special requests today. We're not taking any special requests. Hello, 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 everyone! Welcome to the You Don't Love Me podcast. I am Amir, and I am also Amir, the slightly gayer one. What do you think? Yeah. What does that even mean, though? Um, it means that I am so gay. But what does that even mean? Oh, I was going to come up with another intro, but we've done now. Yeah, no. Oh, do it again then. Go on. Okay. Hello, I I am Blur, and I used to be Shamma Begum, but then no, oh, you can can't. I not make that joke? Okay, I was going to make that joke at some point, and then we got told off, and I didn't use it, and I was going to save it for the podcast, but Amir stepped all of my joke. It's fine. We got the joke, girl. Anyway, yes, yeah, song requests from who, girl? There's no one here. What song do you like that I sing? I don't like any song that you sing. Really? I don't know the names of these songs that you sing. Okay, hum it. No, that's a lot of pressure on me. Okay, I like. Um, I'm so into you. You think I? You don't sing that. I don't I sing it. that song. Um, well, you should. What? <laughs> I don't know the names of songs that you sing. Okay. That's a lot of pressure on me, girl. I don't know Bollywood. Okay, okay. But um, yeah, I've heard you sing better than that. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, what have you heard me sing? No, better like, than no, that? Not, not an actual song better than that. Like, your voice has been better than that. <clears throat> it had like, no, no, no. It was perfect. You don't need to try it again. It's okay. Mera pia ghar aaya ho lalini. Mera pia ghar aaya ho lalini. Those of you who are acoustically inclined, please do comment. Please like, unsubscribe everything. Unlike, unsubscribe to the singing. So yeah, what does it mean to be gay? That's so gay. That's the name of this week's episode. That's what we're talking about. But do you know what? Before that, I just want to vent and say okay, that Priyanka. and say that usually I'm a global citizen. <laughs> <laughs> I am though. Um, I just want to say that usually I feel so current and up to date, and I'm like, this is going on, that's going on. This is where we're at with the world. And right now. I know nothing. I feel like I know nothing. And do you know why I don't know anything? It's because nothing is happening. Or what we're talking about is COVID-19. That's very true. Have you heard about COVID-19? <laughs> Girl, Miss Rona. But I feel like nobody's talking enough about COVID-19. I think it'd be good like, for news they want, like give us happy news as well. Yeah, but do you know what though? Because I'm so inherently miserable, even the good news that we're getting, I'm like, ugh, whatever. Yeah. But do you know, on the flip side, what else do you expect people to be talking about? Like, I don't know, like Lady Gaga's leaked chromatica. Well, has it fully leaked though? No, it hasn't. It's so annoying. I'm checking has, every single day. You know, don't slide into our DMs, guys. We don't condone things like that. But Lady Gaga, if you are listening, I know you are. We're best friends. You told me that you listen to this podcast all the time. Please, please leak, release 
the damn album. Please just give him Babylon. We've never heard of any Babylon clips ever, but please give this bitch Babylon. I cannot. I don't know if it's real or not, but that cherry blossom tree in the middle of like that space age ship with the lighting and Babylon. Oh, it's so good. Girl, what, do you know what if, right? This clip that we haven't ever heard, obviously, we would never listen to anything, um, is not even on the album. What if we're getting Rick Rolled? Girl, what if we were? What, you what if she released an album? She's like, now available on Einstein's. Einstein's? Einstein's. <laughs> and every single song is, never gonna give you up, never gonna that turn around. Honic. That would be really good. I would live. Mm. I'm the gays and we live. Mm. Anyway. What were we talking about? We're talking about That's So Gay. Mm. So, That's So Gay, you know, I'm sure people listening, you might have heard that phrase before, used in really negative way. So, Amir, do you remember the first time you heard that phrase or a time when you were young and you heard that phrase and how it was used? No. Do you I know? Don't. No, I don't think so. I heard it so many times. I mean, I could give you kind of... Ah, too many then. Yeah, there's too many. I mean, it's, oh, it's so annoying, that term, and it's quite sort of triggering. In fact, we had it today. Somebody said it to us today. Um... Oh, I don't even know where to begin with it. I mean, I suppose the, the one of the earlier times that I heard about it was with my family when they wouldn't say that so gay, but it'd be like, you know, because the word gay doesn't exist in, in, in my family's language. But it was always transphobic remarks um, oh, that were wow. made that held the same weighting, if that mm. makes sense. And it was always like you're trying to be a woman and you're, you're trying to be a transgendered person or a hijra, you're trying to be this. And it was used in a negative connotation. And that really damaged me. It was really, really damaging because then I would police myself. And, you mm. know, bitch, I walk with a limp wrist. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But I can fix a, you know, I can fix a pipe. Yeah. I can, you know, I walk with a limp wrist, but I'll bet you I know more about cars than any straight guy. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so I, it, it kind of was really damaging at the beginning because I was like, oh, I need to be a man. Because my mum used to say that to me, like, you need to be a man, be a man. This is not what men men do. Men don't do this and men don't do that. And I was like, all right, love, like, fucking put... <laughs> I can imagine you thinking, all right, love. I'm like, all right, love, you know, put your penis away. Do you know what I mean? You, you're going to tell me what men are supposed to do. Calm down. Anyway. Growing up, go, you know, going through school, oh, my God, what a shit heap that was. Because, you know, you'd have... I mean, I had great times, but... So many times it was like, oh, don't be gay. Oh, like, that's just so gay. Like, why would you do that? And I think a lot of girls used to say that as well. Oh, yeah. It was a very kind of like mean girls kind of thing to say. Oh, that's so gay. It was the thing that I found everyone just said as everything. Mm. Like, I, I remember like a kid next to me, um, what do you mean, like, yeah, seven or eight, the pen had run out and they were like, oh, that's so gay. And like, every little thing. The, the, the comeback was, oh, that's so gay, oh, that's so gay, oh, that's so gay. And like, as the homosexual, in case you didn't realise, in case you didn't know, you can't tell by looking at me right now, of course. <laughs> With your Britney top, yeah. yeah. Girl, it's cute. Hmm. Um, as a homosexual, um, and not really knowing where I fit into my identity, it was, you know, brought about in such a negative way. I was like, oh shit, I can't be anything like that. I had to be, I was so silent every time someone said it because I was like, I was hiding something that I didn't even realize myself at that point. But it was such a, a dam. I think it's such a damaging insult to use. Hmm. So damaging to any kid that doesn't know, you know, who they are particularly or their sexuality or how fluid they are. And I hate that phrase so much. I hate it. Like, it's, and it's coming back in now with the youth. 
that phrase, that coin phrase is coming back again. It's really, really frustrating that's coming back again. How are we allowing it in 2020? But then we say that, but then we look to um, our leaders. We do have Boris Johnson as our leader and he has called us bum boys. Has he? Yes, he has. We've discussed this many a time, Amri. Yeah, but like I haven't evidenced it for myself. Oh, have you not? I've shown you, girl. No, you haven't. Yes, I have. No, where? I've shown you before on my phone. No, you haven't. He doesn't remember these things. I think that does have an impact on um, the youth of society because it gives them sort of, what's the word I'm looking for? It gives them the tools and it gives them things going. It gives them ammunition. Yeah, it gives them the ammunition to use that. However, that is not me saying that all these people saying it are homophobic. I am not saying that. I'm saying it's a homophobic slur. It's a negative thing to say. But with the children of today, we can teach them that that language is wrong and get them to rectify it. I think with a lot of adults... We're lost. And we experienced that today, didn't we? Mm, yes, we did. Yeah. I mean, somebody might listen to this might be like, oh, two gay boys complaining about three words. Get over it. Um, and that has been the rhetoric as well. But I think it, it, it's much deeper than that. It's not just three words. It's a derogatory term. You know, you, I'm not comparing it. But what if somebody said, oh, that's so black? Oh, my God. You don't say that. You wouldn't dare say that. No, no, no. Do you know what I mean? Or <laughs> do you know what? What if I said, oh, that is so white? Oh my god! That in the neighborhood that we live, it would be really uncomfortable. Maybe we should just test it out. It would be really... <laughs> no. Let's not. Somebody said, "Oh, that is so like Indian. It's too Indian. That's disgusting." Yeah, exactly. Absolutely disgusting. It's so vile. It's on. It's, on, it's you know. Uh, I'm not saying it's the same, but it certainly is on the same wavelength, so to speak. And yeah, we had it today. We were. Um, we'd gone for a run. Uh, or do you want to tell the story? Yeah, we were, okay, that's fine. Um, we went for a run and, um, part of the run was like one, run one kilometer, do 50 air squats, run one kilometer, do 50 air squats. And we were doing our air squats and, um, two people were cycling that went past us. We couldn't see their faces, could we? And COVID-19. Girl, in case you didn't know. COVID-19. Like, what is that? COVID-19 is COVID-19. Girl, Miss Rona. Mm -hmm. And, um... You were cycling past those, and then what did what what did he say? Do you remember the exact word he said? So we were we were doing our air squats, and he walked back, and he went, "Oh, I thought you two were doing some gay shit. What are you doing?" And let's Good just say, let's just yeah, he's he On well, the he's, money. yeah, he sounded like trash. He sound well, he was sounded like a chav because he was a chav. He was a trashy chav, and I'm omitting one word from that. We all know what that <laughs> word is. Not going to use that word. But um, yeah, and let's just say, let's just, right, okay. I, yes, annoyed, miserable, bloody, bloody, blah, political. But I'm actually not that upset about it because uh, let's just say we gave it back as good as we got. In fact, no, better, way better. And then his friend who was cycling with him, like he, they didn't even dare turn around. They didn't bother having They didn't even have a single clap back. But we were like, uh, and uh, this is all about being true to yourself and owning who you are because you know i'm not going to tell everything that we said but i was like yeah we are gay and what you're, literally we're gay you're a homophobe and also it's a squat there's nothing gay about a squat you know i don't think people realize how important it is to train your legs get squatting end of
And that's the tea. And like, I, I don't mind saying like, I remember shouting back to the guy, you know, you're, you're a homophobe. And with that, I know people don't like to be labeled as something negative. Like people don't mm. like to be called out and being called a racist. Mm. People don't like to be called a sexist. People like, don't like being called a homophobe. People don't like being called chavs. No, the, the, yeah. <laughs> shut up, I mm. hate you. They don't like being called these things. They're okay to um, act homophobic and racist and stuff but they don't want to be called out on it with that word because yeah. once you've done that you are in my opinion the law can get involved yeah you know yeah, yeah especially yeah. in this country the law the law's on your side it can get involved in that Chubs way. are getting smart and how did it make you feel though when he said that um well i think i've had a fair number of um uh, uh confrontations recently <laughs> so I, I was well prepared for this one i didn't even flinch i just Back Sorry. <laughs> this dickhead over here. What are you doing? <laughs> Listen, are you a unicorn? I am that geese that we see on our canals that are like biting at everyone and like gnawing on grass aggressively. I no, what are you doing with your headphones, Mr. Chromatica? <laughs> oh, okay, guys. So basically, we have our sound equipment on, and I have my headphones in so I can hear us talk back. But I. <laughs> We, we should take a picture because I wear them in a really funny way when I'm not listening back to ourselves because it really distorts me when I'm talking. Um, but I don't put them just above my ears because then I can still hear because the sound travels through my head, I think. My skull is a conductor. So I like put them sideways. Anyway, we'll take a picture. What? We'll show you. Yeah, seriously. Anyway, we were talking about thingamajig. Yeah, uh, chavy guy. Chavy trashy guy. How did it make you feel? Um, it did make me a little bit annoyed and a little bit upset when we got back because we had a rest of our workout to do when we came back home. But I was like, I'm going to still do the rest of my squats outside. I don't give a fuck. And then when we came home, I was like, nope, this is what they want. They want you to feel down. They want you to feel down and out because they're projecting their own insecurities onto you so that you stop doing what you're doing because it makes them uncomfortable. Mm. It doesn't matter what it is. It makes them uncomfortable. So do not give up. Do not give in. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to channel all this energy into my workout. And you know what, bitch? I lost two inches off my waist. In tonight. one workout? Yeah. Wow, skinny legend come through. Mariah could never. Okay, side note, right? So there's this advert for these, you know, those electrical things that you can uh, put on your abs? And it just gives you that stimulation. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that. I once bought them and like the, it made cuts on my stomach, so don't get them, guys. But there was one and like there's this ripped guy wearing just wearing the patch things and it says no gym just results oh yeah i was like what a shit marketing campaign that is no gym just results do you know what a result of not going to the gym is fatness that's a result i don't know i'm just really miserable today but i was like he is that's really a... miserable today no but i'm like that's a result why would you say no 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 gym just results yeah don't go to the gym eat a cake and you'll get a result that sounds really fun, though. Hmm. So, yeah, what we're we talking about. Um, so, that's okay with homophobia. So, homophobia. you know, growing that's up, okay. yeah. growing up, you've had the that's so gay term. Go on. Yeah, no, I'm listening to you. You've had the that's so gay term. But how do you get out of that mindset when you've been beaten up with that term so much? How do you sort of reclaim it, so to say? I think you kind of have to understand as to why it's wrong. Okay. Because I used to use it. I used to say it. Oh, did you? Yeah, of course, because that's what happens. Uh, and, you know, for, even from a race, a race point of view, people would 
say things to me about my ethnicity like oh why do you guys love curry why do you guys do this and all of these things are from the same cloth they they stem from insecurity and fear of the unknown and mm. people are afraid of your strength and power my strength and power as being a, an open gay man my strength and power as being an uh, unapologetically brown person and i think say for example the situation that we had today what would have happened is we would have been like oh, no no we're not gay you know closeted as fuck and then we would police ourselves mm. and make sure that we don't do it and then we would ensure other people don't do it as well and we would throw that hatred onto someone else but we stemmed that dead in its tracks by saying yeah we are gay it's called a squat we said what else we needed to say <laughs> and off he went running do you know what i mean yeah so i, I think previously i would be like oh yeah that's so gay and i didn't realize what it meant and I think, you know, through the internet education, I realized, ah, that's not good. And then as I became more and more open and confident in who I am, I was like, oh, there's nothing wrong with being gay. Like, I'm amazing at being gay. So, like, why use me in a negative connotation? Girl, it's on your CV, girl. But, like, even, like, my family, my um, older brother, who's into, uh, quite homophobic, and I tend to find that... Um, homophobic people have some sort of internalized thing to deal with what are you saying here i'm not saying anything but i'm saying a lot of things he might be gay anyway Ooh. and um <laughs> you know uh, he used to be like oh yeah god don't be a fagger uh i was like oh my god you are desperate to suck dick right now and these people are constantly like this. I'm like, why are you thinking about gay people all the time? And then he was on. Do? Then he was on the phone to his f future wife, and he was like, "Oh, the idea of a man just like doing it with another man. Like, why would they do that?" I was like, "Because it feels good." Why are you thinking about that? Though? How about that? But why are you thinking about it? Yeah, and it's such a skewed, morbid way of being and thinking and thinking about yourself because. A, that's not what it's all about. And B, why are you thinking about it? It's none of your business. I don't sit and think about what heterosexual sex is like. And also, do you know what? It's 2020, COVID-19, and sexuality is fluid and you can do whatever you want. And as you become more and more open, honest and mature, you realize there's a lot of stuff that's going on that doesn't fit in any bracket and people just do it and get on with it. And so I mean? they should though. Like yeah. you don't have to label everything. And you don't need to come down on people and be so fucking homophobic and rude. Yeah. So that's the bottom line. It's homophobic and rude. And then, you know, when you say when you're growing up with these terms and you said you use the terms, it's like when you sort of allow people to be racist to you and you're joining like, ha ha ha, yeah, mm. and the butt of the racist joke. And like, you don't realize what you're doing mm. when you're growing up. And I think it's because you want to fit in so bad as well. And you think it might be, you think, oh, this is what's funny in society. I need to be funny. Yeah. And then once you unlearn all that and educate yourself, it's like, oh, holy shit. Like, I knew I was going through, you know, racism and homophobia. But I didn't even realize the extent of what I was going through until I was an adult. Yeah. Looking back. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what I mean? On myself. What, how did you sort of come out of it? How did you reclaim it or... How did I reclaim it? The moment I reclaimed it, it's probably was an adult, really. Mm. The moment you could reclaim it was when I was out, like, to my friends and stuff. And when I fully probably even the last few years or something when I fully came out to my mom when I fully just came out and I was like everyone knows I'm gay now that's it like mm. no one can say anything to me mm. you know at all and that's that's the winning situation that you're in and I actually learned this off a um I work in education so a school kid I learned this off when um he he was out and gay can you you can learn a lot of the youth as well 
don't forget. Yes. And, you know, I remember someone saying to him, you know, oh, you're gay. You're gay. You're gay. Do you know, I was like, oh, you're gay. It's like, oh, yes, I am. And that was it. Wow. No, nothing came off that. And, you know, I, was, I remember speaking to this kid, like, are you all right? And he was like, well, the thing is, I just say I am gay because I am gay. And like, no one says anything back because there's nothing to like uncover. Mm. And from that, I was like, oh shit then. Mm. Like, oh my God, you're like a genius because that makes complete sense. Like, if someone says to you, you know, that's okay, or like, oh, you lot doing gay stuff over here. Yes, we are doing gay stuff because guess what? We're gay. Yeah, and I think that's the reason why, as I'm listening to you, as, I'm, as you're talking, I'm thinking that's the reason why pride is so important. And this is why it's so important for people to be able to live their true, honest selves as much as possible, as much as they possibly can. And this is why pride is so important because, you know, for me, that is what pride is all about. It's about being open, honest being who you are and mm. not apologizing for it and not hiding anymore. Do you know what I mean? There's a reason why prides happen and there's a reason why people wave that flag and it means so much to them. It's significant for everyone of all ages, of all you know abilities, all everything. Pride is open for everyone to come and be themselves and be free and also support others and be an ally as well. And it's very, very important. And like, you know, on the topic of, you know, pride and that's okay. I remember when we were in uh, Mexico, Four years ago, do you remember? I was going to talk about that, yeah, yes. Of course, we're twinning again. Yeah. Right, we have this psychic ability. Yeah, we do. I swear down, it's we are freaky. always finishing each other's... Sandwiches! Oh my god! <laughs> no, it's really... You're like my twins. <laughs> it's That's really dumb. freaky though sometimes. Yeah. Like, on another level freaky. Mm. Oh my god, like, we'll get into that another episode, I think. Anyway, yeah, so we had another uh, That's So Gay incident. It's about pride, wasn't it? And we were... Um, in Mexico? In Mexico, we were on holiday and this trash... <laughs> Again, I'm <laughs> missing one word, but there was tra this trashy guy who was with his wife who invited another trashy guy in the pool. And his wife? And the whole premise was that... Um, oh, was, was there two couples? Yeah, there were two couples. Oh, okay. She stayed very quiet though, babe. Oh, good. Well, that's why I didn't remember. She was irrelevant. But basically, he was like, oh, yeah, he's been in the army. So, like, he's going to come over and blah, blah, blah. And we were like, okay, whatever. And then, okay, this was an all-inclusive hotel. And, oh, at least the package we'd paid for on the side of the hotel that we were on was all inclusive. And so this guy had come out of nowhere acting like as if he's the bee's knees. And he was like, oh, go on, guys, like, let's do shots, shots on me. And we were like, you do realize you're not paying for any of them. <laughs> and also, no, thank you. Like, we, we're good. We're, we're good. We're good. Thank you. Like, and he was like, oh, come on, have some. Don't be gay. And then you lost it with him, didn't I, you? Did I lose it? You oh. lost it. And then I took the diplomatic route whereby I said to him, I don't think you belong here. I don't think you should be here. I don't think you paid to be here. And the other guy was like, well, he's in serving an army. And I was like, I don't care. You shouldn't be here. And I was like, do you know what? I've also done my time with uh, the army by dating so many army men. So shut the fuck up, bitch. And then wow, I was... Okay, then. And then um, I told the authorities and he was removed. Yeah, because he didn't pay for that side of the package for, for that pool. The pool. And that was a gag. Yeah, and then, you, but yeah, you full on tried to educate them. But um, yeah, um, don't waste my breath anymore with some people. Honestly, I think no. I learned from that. But, you know, a few drinks, maybe 10, 12, 15 drinks, who knows. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was like, that's good. Then he was trying to come out like, so why do you guys need like gay pride and stuff? Really? Yeah. And oh. I was like, are we really fucking doing this? And he was like, oh, that should be mixed. And I was like, I was literally like, fuck off. Do not look at me. Do not speak to me. Do not breathe in my fucking air. I don't want anything to do with you, you nasty piece of shit. 
Yeah, I was really, I really popped off. I'm sorry, I was really angry that day. Yeah, and what is it with people, like everyone wanting to be your friend whilst on holiday? I'm like, Honestly. listen, I'm like, listen, like I've got five good Judies in my life that I've known for years and years and years. A few of the nice friends that I make an effort with, I don't give a crap You're about good. you. You're not going to give a crap about me. That said. We did meet some amazing people. Yeah, we did. People. We actually met some really cool people. And we're really good friends with them still. And I think we are. Are we? Oh, we're really good wait, Facebook wait, friends. Wait. You, and <laughs> No, stop. Okay. I'm stopping you. He's looking at me like, so, because you do Facebook and I don't have Facebook and you do social. Are we still in touch with them? Are we not? Are we? I, we, we, wanna... we see them on Facebook. That's it. All I want to say is, hi, Bob. Uh, our va- washing machine is still called Keith. Yeah. When we, when we finished that holiday, we made a vow that we would um, rename one of our appliances after each other or something. Uh-huh. So their washing machine is called Keith and so is ours. No. Okay. Ours is called Keith. That's called... Um, Rubina. No. Uh, what's theirs called? Shagufta. Shagufta. There our iPad. Hey, I was in the right yeah, neighborhood. Yeah, because our iPad is called Shagufta. Yeah, I was... We literally run around the place like, where's Gufta? Yeah, we call our iPad Shagufta. This episode's going left, right, center, up, I'm down, living for everywhere. It yeah, it's, uh, that's the best thing. So that was another experience of that's so gay. Have you had any more um, current experiences of people being homophobic to you and you reclaiming it? No. Why not? Do you wonder? Uh, I, on a day-to-day basis, I don't. I think because I'm quite oh. outrageous. Do you think? Yeah, 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 yeah. In a, I think in a professional capacity, I've been fortunate enough to work with some really great people who are open-minded. I think because I am so unapologetically myself, mm. what you see is what you get. Some of the people who are uncomfortable or insecure about it just do not know what to do because I come at it from such a positive angle. And so they're like, Oh, and then they deal with it themselves and then they come over to me and then they're like, oh, okay, like work, blah, 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 whatever. And that's, that, that's kind of worked for me. So I haven't really had it. You know, I've had a great boss, really understanding, really open. Um, so by and large, no. I tend to get it more when it's just you, uh, when it's you and me together. Yeah, I think there's as something, a uh, as a couple, yeah. I think people kind of um, feel insecure about our strength. Because we're not um, the typical South Asian uh, people, you know, two South Asian guys just walking together. We're not bros that are on our bikes or making cute jokes or, you know, look like as if we're selling drugs. I'm not saying all South Asian people do that, but like that's usually the The stereotype, the stereotype. Whereas you and me, where we've got our walking boots on and we're talking and chatting away and, and being a couple and being young and some people... Why are we young? And I think, well, bitch, I've dyed my hair, so I'm young <laughs> again. And I think I think some people get a little bit threatened by it. But I think maybe we'd benefit from a more open-minded space. I mean, even something as simple as squat, you know, doing a squat outside. Like, I've lived in major cities in my life before and it's completely normal. Mm. We've been both been to major cities in uh, in our lives and... Nobody's that insecure. That's what I loved about New York is New York, get your headphones in, get your life, sing a a song, have a breakdown, go for a run at four o'clock in the morning, you know, talk to rats, do whatever you want. Nobody's going to bat an eyelid. Everyone's going to be like, work, you know, get your life. Whereas here it's like, oh, piss off. Yeah, I completely know what you mean, though. But like, do you know, like through the whole being beaten down by the that's so gay and I guess the unlearning and reclaiming your gayness and queerness, um... What significant moment have you found that you've really reclaimed it all? Has there been a significant moment where you've like, 
Bitch, I won. I did the damn thing. So you're asking me when I became a militant gay? Yes. <laughs> when did you become a militant gay? When did I become a militant gay? I'm gay, sis. <laughs> what, is, what is a militant gay? I don't know. I've just made that term up. Somebody who's like, really like in the heart and dirt of the community. Okay, suppose. Bob. <laughs> I so don't know. When did you become a militant gay? Uh, when I was sort of 23, 24, I really started coming into my own and um, separating myself from the people who are deeply closeted or, well, not not necessarily deeply closeted. Well, yes, actually, I'm going to own that. But certainly um, from those people who are apologetic about themselves and trying to live a double life. And I was like, yeah, this isn't for me. I'm not going to sit and have brunch with you whilst you bitch about your wife and then, you know, hit on me and buy me lunch. Just buy me lunch without all the drama, please. But anyway, they, you know, that's when I really started peeling away the layers and it kind of makes it difficult sometimes trying to find more like-minded people but I think these last couple of years and especially through this podcast I've really managed to find more like-minded people and we're coming together in creating a community of militant gays. I think so as well I think especially I feel like especially South Asian gays we're like on the brink of something here mm. but I do want to talk about you know because I think there's a few events that you've had where you've really reclaimed it. I thought your birthday last year was one of them. Yeah. Sure. Like, what happened in your birthday? Your that, big was, that was a super gay moment. Girl. So for my 30th, 30th birthday, we did a living birthday funeral. Because I'm 30, which is about 18 gay years, I might as well, you know, bow out, I suppose. And so, as a joke, we turned it into a funeral. But we turned it into a living f funeral where, like, the guests could, would roast me and tell a few jokes. Um, so it was like a wake. It was quite funny, actually. We hired out a venue. We, we had a book. Out, yeah, we had it hired out a venue. We had a book of condolences, which was hilarious. And people were writing all sorts. Um, my barber came as well. We're good friends. And in the book of condolences, he wrote, your haircut shit. And I was <laughs> like, why? Um, and then I think what really helped me reclaim it is my outfit. So it was inspired by Billy Porter. And I wore the big uh, gown-esque skirt and I had my Cuban heels on and I had a tuxedo and you know painted nails and I was feeling my fantasy and walking around Leeds in it. He was definitely feeling his fantasy so I you know obviously just wore simple black mesh stuff with a veil because he was dying and I went on over to the venue to set up and do everything and he was sending me pictures and he was like in the bathtub drinking champagne really getting his gig feeling his fantasy and then we've got friends to come over and pick you up I remember that picture of you under the chandelier and you were running twirling around Leeds and I remember afterwards like on the way you know back to the hotel and stuff and out and about people were living for you yeah maybe we should um post that picture well, we're going to post it when it's your birthday. Oh, okay. Do you yeah. see where I'm going here? <laughs> I see exactly what you're doing. But girl, you turn it. Yeah, that was really, really good. And it was really refreshing to be with somebody who was, you know, accepting of exactly who I am and, oh, and uh, being my champion in that regard. So, yeah, I think that was another time where if anyone was like, that's really gay, I was like, yeah, I know. But I mean, obviously nobody said it, but there were a few eyes and I was like, okay, boys, you can get it. You don't, you want to look under this skirt. <laughs> I Ooh. know. You're into curvy South Asian bearded men. <laughs> but I think that was a definitely a way of re reclaiming it, don't you think? Mm, absolutely. What about you? 
What about you? This is a totally unprompted question <laughs> that you are not directing. When did you reclaim the rainbow? So, I mean, oh no. When did you... Reclaim the gay. Reclaim the gay. When did you become a militant gay, sis? So when I became a militant gay, I was laying on my back and <laughs> <laughs> legs up in the air no. the trade had just paid for lobster I, I became a militant gay when i had five grand of meats a day no <laughs> anyway um i think i became a militant gay let's call it um i think the podcast has definitely helped you know mm. connecting meeting people mm. but i think more so probably after we got into a relationship but you think I think during our relationship, I became more militant. We're joking, by the way, we're using the word militant. And definitely Pride, London Pride 2018. Yeah. Because I was set on, like, the vision of my outfit with my boots and my tiny little shorts and my um, Vanji crop top. And that I was, was going to work it. And I was like, am I really? And do you know what? People listening might think, yeah, it's just a crop top. It's not a big deal. When you have grown up the way we have and yeah. what it's been like, that is like a, a massive, it's not a stepping stone, it's a fucking rock. Oh, absolutely. You know? It's a boulder, it's a cliff, it's the Yorkshire Three Peaks. Girl. But um, I, I remember the following year, there was, you know, these young guys just wearing puppy masks on the London tube. Oh, yeah. On the tube. Iconic. And I was like, good for them, but like the confidence, do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, literally confidence. And like me. But let's talk about my confidence when I was wearing sheer. Oh, girl. Weighing a, a delicate, you know. Very delicate. 120 kg. <laughs> <laughs> Lemon drop. You weren't wearing, weearing that much. No, I was, I've never weighed that much <laughs> like, in my life. what? But, you know. Okay, and yes, yeah, so I feel like that was the moment where... My knees were buckling. Girl. Anyway. I feel like that was the day where I um, reclaimed it because I was feeling my confidence. And I was like, oh my God, everyone's gay. I'm gay. We're all fabulous. Let's work it. And also at the um, our Club Cali event this year. Mm. For sure, with my like five million outfit changes, I will not forget when. So basically, what happened at the Club Galley event was we were there, we were setting up, we weren't staying that far away, and I was in these like five and a half, six inch heels, and this look which was like just naked basically, but was fabulous and golden and Asian, and I'd forgot my Doc Martin boots that I was going to change into, so I had to get a taxi <laughs> back to the place and then back again in like fifteen twenty minutes, which I did, but pulling back up to the event. Um, there was there were like ambulances or fire trucks or something. So I couldn't get you know there quick enough. So I was like, stop the taxi. I was literally running through Camden, like with this. How do how do I describe what I was wearing? The coat, the, the not the coat, but the outfit. Um, it was like a Sharani coat, but without the sleeves. Thank you. And it was like opened up, and it was like I was running through with these tiny shorts, these heels on, these Doc Martin boots in my hands, running through. I was like, and I had a moment. I was like, oh my god. I cannot believe this is me doing this. I'm so fabulous. I'm having a moment right now. I'm in a film. And people were like screaming, like, living me like, yes, work, yes. And I was like, oh my God, this is me. Like, is this real? Like, people actually cheering, being my cheerleader yeah. for me being me. Yeah. And I think that's so big. And I think we can express ourselves through our clothes and through our appearance. And I think as queer people, we do so much. You know, we present like that. And it's for a reason. It's because it's, for us especially, it's taken us so long to get there. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You know, and now you have Bushra. Absolutely, yeah. That's another thing that I'm doing that's so gay, apparently. Also, just side note, the way that I've got my headphones on my head, I swear it's like transferring some brain waves or something because each time I do it like this, it gives me a headache. Oh, wow. You have a brain in there? <laughs> I've taken a picture. We're going to post it later on. Are we? Yeah, and I've got a good caption for it as well. You anyway. can post it, darling. 
I'll give you the control to do that. Anyway, yeah, I play an alter ego called Lady Bushra who will be taking over the You Don't Love Me podcast next week. So For one day. Uh, watch out for that space. Yeah, that's quite liberating as it's well. at lady.bushra. What made you start Lady Bushra? How did it, actually, how did it come about? Uh, just a random conversation on uh, a, a, a table in London with uh, Mira, the uh, Matt, Oh, you yeah. and I, and we were just talking. And I think I had the idea. I just wanted to run it by someone. And then I think it was Matt who came up with the idea of Busher from Bradford. Yeah, 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 yeah. Something like that. Or, or at least he kind of helped I feel like me. I did. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. You're not that gay. So how did it feel like when you play this alter ego thing? Are you like, do you, when you first did it, was any of your inner sabotage there or like from your childhood? Well, firstly, I'd like to thank all 114 fans of mine on Instagram for your tremendous support. As it dropped again. I'm just checking. For fuck's sake. I just want to be that bitch. I was, I peaked at 119. I'm just saying. Anyway, what did, what was your question? 113. Are you being serious? <laughs> Which bastard's dropped off now? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna sort this out. I'm gonna phone Bush someone. Is mad. Who do I phone? Right, go on. Uh, <laughs> do you know what? I do it for myself. <laughs> and apparently 113 fans. Yeah, what made me start? I don't know. I just had a point of view and I, it is slightly political. But I don't think anyone's picked up on that yet. So I'm not going to talk about that until they get it. And yeah, it's just a little bit of fun. It's just a little bit of dress up. It doesn't mean anything. People like Joanne the Scammer have been an inspiration for it as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Asian Joanne the Scammer. Yeah, well, I'm not as iconic as Joanne. Of course not, with your 113 followers. Yeah, and she has 117, so, you know. She has like 1 million I'm trillion. Chasing up. But also I think going to New York the last few times has really helped uh, me and maybe you as well I don't know what you think because being around it's being around them people that mm. are just so accepting and open to everything I was like I'll be fabulous and wear my massive ass coats and be dramatic and do what the fuck I want and I tell how you know as gay as I want mm. because guess what bitch I am gay that is, is so, so gay true I think that's really helped me reclaim it. When you see people that inspire you and then themselves, when I'm, you know, going on social media, when I, when I was in New York and I saw these people, I was like, wow, all these people are really living the truth to the maximum. They're breaking down all the ideals of masculinity and femininity and everything. And I'll never forget when we were in New York in 2018 and we were at a Drag Race viewing party for All Stars and Valentino was on the screen and some guys sat next to us and Let's get stereotypical here. You know, he was, he was a, a guy and he was a stereotypical, you know, back in the day, grinder, mask for mask. Yeah. Sort of guys. And next minute, you know, he's there crying to us like, oh my God, I just love Valentina so much. I just want yeah. to marry her. And it's just it's everything. And I was like, work. Like, he was owning all energies. Yes. And I was like, wow, like, this is amazing. Like, you, it's my own fault for judging a book by its cover, I guess. Okay. I have realized the time when I was more unapologetically gay and, and more accepting of myself. Go on. RuPaul. Oh, girl. So it was before RuPaul's Drag Race started. I think he did Star Booty. I think oh it was a God. film. And you were 62 years old. And the <laughs> he'd done a little bit of press for it and they were asking him questions. And one of the things that he said was, he was like, what's with all like these you know, muscle. He didn't exactly say it. I'm super paraphrasing it, but he was like, you know, I know everyone's kind of after all these muscle gods and, and X, Y, and Z. And I have no issue with that. I, you know, I, I love all of God's children. He said, oh, what about faggy boys? 
I love my boys to be faggy. And I was like, <gasps> who the fuck do you think you are saying that? You can't say that. It's not cute to be camp. It's not cute to be faggy. And do you know what? Through that show, and I think Shakira touched upon this when we did our interview with her. Mm. Through that show, um, RuPaul really has changed that rhetoric. And now, now it's fine for someone to go to the gym, get some heels on and live their best life. Yeah, you do the exact same thing. I, it was that comment. And then there was another one as well. When um, I heard of RuPaul's Drag Race and I, I knew of it when the show came out. So I was um, watching season one. And it's, if you watch season one, episode one, it's the opening statement that he says. I think it's from you, Be the You Better Work song. I'm not sure, but he's like, I was a, you know, six foot two black man who had a dream and put on heels and this is how I am. And again, I was like, how could you? Who the hell do you think you are? <laughs> I was, I, I've always found him outrageous. I was yeah. outraged and I was like, wow, you can be this person. You can be gay, feminine, drag queen, successful, successful person of color. And then at the same time, be a man and then own your masculinity as well and not get caught up with other people's expectations. Like, how dare you? And I and that really helped me untangle my own struggles. That's that really amazing. Helped. That's incredible. Yeah. I, love that. I actually really love that story. Oh, thank you. you know, I, really, I really, really like that, you know, watching something and feeling like that. And I think going back to something Shaquida said. When we recorded with her, I don't know if it was on the recording or off the recording. Yeah. Um, she was saying what Drag Race has done well it is it's changed the ideas of uh, masculinity or started to or tried to change the idea of masculinity within the gay community. Yeah. Of like, oh, because people wouldn't want to date drag queens before, she was saying. Oh, yeah, yeah, And now yeah. it's like, oh, it's fine. Like, And even if you listen, look, look at the older seasons of Drag Race, and people are like, you know, I hide my drag away with the man, I don't tell them about it. And now you see them and it's like, I do drag because it's a profession. Yeah, even when Drag Race started, I would find it uncomfortable. Even up to season six, I would find it uncomfortable to watch Drag Race at times. Now look at you, Bushra. No, I, well, there you go. It helped me untangle myself. I wasn't homophobic at all, but I was like... And also, it was because of the way I was raised, you know? If you put on a wig, you were transgender, you were not gay. Do you know what I mean? You were not a man. Or if you wanted to do that, that meant you wanted to be a, a, a woman. It was very binary. That's so crazy. when I watched it, I was like, oh my God, am I gravitating towards it? Because, you know, these lot are a bunch of, you know, transgenders and uh, cross-dressers and I am and, you know, all of this stuff. And then when you watch through the show, you're like, nope, it's fine. You can appreciate the show for what it is. And then you realize, even if they are transgendered, cross-dressers. Non-binary. Non-binaries. So what? Work. They're owning it. They're making a success out of it. And you can appreciate them for the art that they bring. Like, you know, take Peppermint, for example. Oh, I she, love Peppermint. She competed as a trans woman. And uh, like, that was, I know it's an important part of her life, but it was secondary to the art that she was bringing. And, and the drug that she was bringing. And we saw her, we had the pleasure of seeing her uh, on Broadway in New York. She came on stage and you could hear the applause. Do you know what I mean? It was goosebumps because I felt like, oh my God, like she was, magical. She was owning herself and living for her gig. And that's what's important. And that's the magic. It is. I think what's going to help people continue breaking down this, oh, that's so gay. And any of these terms in future are people like us or other people that live our truth mm. and our magic. I know of gay people right now 
okay, that are not living their truth, and fucking hell, it's tough for them. But they've got the option to live their truth. I don't get the options there for people that I'm talking about right now. Mm. For some people, the option's not there. You need to bide your time and save your coin mm. and get the fuck away and then live your truth. But I think everyone listening, your aim in life should be to live your truth. Whether it's going to be in five years, ten years, two years, one year, you need to find a way to live that truth because it will unlock so much of your identity. And that's the key word, I think, unlock. I think we have together, in through our relationship, we've unlocked so much of our own identities that we didn't even know was there. Yeah, it's really sad to see uh, those people who apologise for who they are. Mm. And, you know, they are not out in the open. They're not being honest to themselves. And that's fine if you're in a hostile situation where it's not possible. You know, there's many of our listeners who live in countries where it's illegal to be gay. So, you know, that's not an option. But for those who do have the option... Um, and decide not to, again, fine, it's everyone's personal journey, but it's really uncomfortable and it's sad to see those that we know could live a really open, strong, transformative, fabulous life instead recoiling and conforming and apologizing for who they are. That's really, oh, yeah. that's really upsetting and frustrating to see as well. Why do you say frustrating? Because I'm someone, I'm, right, okay, I'm ultimate, ultimate. Yes, ultimate. Oh, do you know what? New word in the dictionary, girl. Ultimate, I, I am ultimate as well. <laughs> I am the ultimate sort of pageant queen in my head. <laughs> okay. Girl, let's talk away from the headphones. I've got you good. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> wow. I am though, okay. Because like. Have I you won a crown though? I want everyone to be happy, unless you're a piece of trash, Chav. I want everyone to be happy. I want everyone to get along. I want everyone to thrive. I want everyone to better themselves and be successful. Why do mm. I want that for everyone? Because I'm just projecting I actually want it for myself. So <laughs> when I see someone who's recoiling and going back into a space that I used to live in, I'm like, Especially people girl, you care about. I'm like, that is a rabbit hole. You're going to go down there and you are just going to suffer and suffer and suffer. And however interesting you might think it is and how better it's going to be, it's not going to be like that. Okay, I'll give you an example. There was a guy who I used to hang out with when I was single and he was married, but he was gay and he had a boyfriend and they broke up after two years and it was the biggest heartbreak. And we'd hang out and he'd buy lunch and, you know, um, bitch about me to his wife. So he was buying my friendship. And I was like, this is really annoying. So I kind of cut all ties with him. But the reason why he did it was because he came from a wealthy family. So his parents had bought him her house next door and they wanted him to conform, which he did. And therefore he got married and he had a, owed them then. He, he owed them. And then he came from a prominent family in Pakistan and they took care of him there as well. So when people would die in his family, he would inherit it and pass it forward. And then he had children with somebody who he didn't love. And then he ruined her life and he had a really toxic marriage. And then, as fate would have it, I think I've spoken about this on the podcast before, as fate would have it, I bumped into him in a supermarket. Mm, you did. Uh, years later, and he started talking and he was like, yeah, I thought you'd probably um, refuse to recognize me. And I was like, look, we were just two different people on two separate trajectories. I'm married and open now. He's like, oh, well, um, my dad died and I came out and they don't, you know, my the rest of my family don't really talk to me. But, you know, my wife's got the kids and here I am living with my fiance now and we're living our best life. And I was like, good for you, great. But, you know, I didn't say it to him, but I thought to myself, doesn't that just prove 
that you recoiling and conforming, just how damaging it can be, it's obviously going to impact the children. It's going to impact your wife. So many people have got hurt, yourself included. You know, he's someone who I'm pretty sure has been suicidal in the past mm. or been really broken as a result of it all. And I'm thinking, was it worth it? P pleasing somebody who's no, now no longer with you, was it worth it? And, you know, in this instance of COVID-19, it's a real um, shocker because it just goes to show as to how fickle and how temporary our lives can, can be. And so why it's and, and why it's so important to be your true self during this time. Of course. And you know what? I think that's a really, really strong and nice conclusion to the episode. I told you I'm a pageant queen. Yeah, he is. He is. Ten points to Gryffindor. Yeah, speech with Slytherin. Mm. Don't forget. Oh, yeah, I think that's are. a really good one. You know, the whole idea, you know, that that's so gay. Call it out, guys. If you're in a position where you can call shit out, call it out because you might not even get that much of a response because people don't want to... People get shocked mm. when you call it out. And, you know, live your fucking truth. Live your truth, you bunch of militant gays. Yes, we love a militant gay. Love you guys lots. I hope that was an interesting episode for yourselves. Please feel free to give us feedback. We love feedback. Okay, guys, that was the episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it and uh, enjoyed the topics that we discussed. Amir is stifling his laughs because I have edited something out. That's so bad. <laughs> and yeah, we love all you genuine folk who are keeping it real. Stay tuned. There's a lot more to come. Yeah, watch the space bitches. And you can follow us on Instagram at you don't love me underscore podcast. That is you don't love me underscore podcast. Please don't just like 10 of our pictures and run away. Interact with us, guys. Like, you know, follow us, interact. COVID-19. You can um, like us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter at YDLM underscore podcast. Hashtag YDLM podcast. Click the link in our bios, link tree. Go and vote for us at the NDAs. Go and watch our youtube -y things that we've done with people. Go and look at articles. Just get on it. This is the last bit that I'm going to keep in. I don't care what face you make. How was it like auditioning for the first time for you? <gasps> Babe, you can't do that. I can't. No, you can't. No, how was it? That's all. I just want to leave it at that. I hate you. That's how it was. Bye, but you don't love me, gay sis. <laughs>